So when I are taking the photos, I'm hundred percent focused. Even now, I am still. And there are times where I, once the shoot finished, I realize I desperately need a toilet, and I'm extremely hungry. But once the camera in my hands, and I'm looking things through my lens, I forget about everything else, and that really helped me to refocus and also forget about the anxious feeling. Um, and to capture those moments for me is so key to capture other people's happiness or grief, and those moments. And I forget what I was going through, and almost like that the the Jerry with a camera is completely different Jerry without a camera. Um, I feel like I feel my life was elevated in a way when I have the camera in my hand, and when looking things through lens, the way I look is very different. How my mind works is very different. It's almost like the lens was my only eye, and it is the also almost like the only way for myself to get to get myself out of the whole anxiousness, um, the, the environment, and the anxiousness. Jerry has been sort of completely gone when when I have the lens in my hand, a camera in my hand. Hello friends, welcome to or welcome back to a Runner's Life podcast. You were just listening to a part of the conversation that I had with Jerry's son. I'm a big fan of what he does and that just gives you an indication of the type of person that he is and how he cares so much about the work that he does. Listening to that section of the conversation, it really gives an indication of flow state and being in the moment and that's not just unique to running it's also unique to other fields in this conversation we take a dive into how he became a photographer what he's doing before a lot of it's self-taught but you can see the passion is there and you know you take talent and you take hard work and you get something special so in that little snippet he talks a little bit about anxiety and we go into photography and finding this path helped him manage that we also cover a lot more we talk about his unique position in the running industry and how he sees that space between the running brands and the running communities. There's so many interesting points that we discuss in this conversation. However, this felt like it could have been a part two and yeah, I hope you enjoy it as much as I do. And if you do, please do share it with your community. It really does help the podcast grow. Thank you to the patrons that support the podcast. I really appreciate you. And with that being said, let's head to the conversation with Jerry. Hi, Jerry. Welcome to a Runner's Life podcast. How are you doing? Yeah, not bad. Not bad. How are you, Marcus? Yeah, very well, thank you. We were having a really good catch-up before we started recording, and I was just like, we need to hit record, otherwise we're going to be here to the evening. <laughs> and no one's <laughs> going to hear any of this golden conversation. <laughs> so before we get into what a Runner's Life means to you and all the other bits, I'm super inspired by your work that you're doing, same as many other people. But we've Thank got you. quite a shared connection in terms of sneakers. So we were talking a little bit about that beforehand. Can you talk a little bit about your sneaker collection and how you got into it? So I grew up in Shanghai, in China. Um, when I was growing up, China was going through the transitions of open market. And there were more and more Western cultures that coming in. And um, uh, for some reason, I was so into NBA basketball. And um, Michael Jordan is one of my biggest inspirational person. Um, when I was growing up, you know, be like Mike, Gatorade, everything to do with Mike. I love it. And the Jordan brand, clearly. And um, it was very hard to access the uh, Jordan shoes back to time in China. And um, there we had some of the Jordans and we got loads of like Pippin's shoes. But it, it, it was just hard to 
get. And even though we were on, they were on the market, my parents would be like, your feet still growing. You don't need something so expensive. Just get a cheaper pair of basketball shoes. So my obsession with that started, you know, when you can't get it, you want more. So I used to subscribe to um, an NBA slam dunk magazines. And every week there's one. And I just look at the, the, um, the, the shoes they're wearing, the sneakers they're wearing in the basketball game. And uh, every time there's one pair and me and my mates will be like, yes, we want these pairs. And then I remember there's one girl, she's two years above me we we're on the basketball training and she had Concord Jordan 11 and her family lives in the US and she was studying in high school uh, and she always go there summer. And I remember she returned it and she had that pair. And then that's why Jordan 11 is one pair always want the translucent sole, the patent leather, the conquer color. And like, that is the one that always wants in my life. Yeah. So that obsession started growing more and more. Then I came to the UK and there were more sneakers on the market and it was easy to grab back then. Foot locker, you go to the shelf and there's something comes out, you'll be able to buy them straight away. So um, yeah, and then, then retro comes back and then I get Jordan 4s. I remember I had a metallic Jordan 4s, literally just go to the store and get it. And in recent years, as everyone knows, the market is just crazy. It's very hard to get a pair of shoes. Like Jordan 4 metallic, I remember when it re-released again a couple of years back, you know, you have to enter raffle on the sneaker app and stuff. But I remember my pair was literally off the shelf and also like dunk low um sp dunk low actually those colorways they used to have i just buy pairs off the shelf um yeah so gradually the obsession's growing and always have jordan basketball shoes um and uh, then streetwear become more popular uh, more into the streetwear and then easy comes in you know kanye west the influence over ultra boost yeah so all these part of that, that was me growing up and that led to social media where, you know, it's all about flexing what you've got. So I used to have a Sony A6000, just take a photo of um, the sneakers I've got. Um, and um, and also when I travel, I sometimes using that on iPhone to take photos. So that's how I think I was just sort of going to taking photos, not even photography, just taking photos. And, uh, but sneaker was the main uh focus back then for me to take photos of i love that that breakdown and that introduction of you know it started with the jordan 11s and obviously you talked about some of the old school ones like the fours and things like that and then obviously some of the non-jordan shoes as well but i guess so does the jordan 11 is that your favorite of the the series or has that changed since you've obviously seen the rest of them it's, you know what always jordan 11 and it, and then there, there's a reason why i, I don't know what it is, but like Jordan 11, low, high. But if you look at Nike's Christmas Jordan release, it's always Jordan 11. Yeah, it, it, it's it's a pair that you can wear to anything. Jordan 11 is my favorite one, even though it's hot in the summer because it's a pattern leather. Um, but it's just the look. It just r- remind me, tickle the little box. Like it just tickled me a little bit. When, every time I see that, oh yeah, it reminded me the time when, you know, I couldn't, get a pair and I was just literally watching that that girl running around in the Jordan 11 and I, I always remind me like I wondered how I feel running in a pair of Jordan 11 so that stuck with me throughout my entire life so far <laughs> so Jordan 11 then Jordan 4 then Jordan 1 
that's my top three Jordans. Okay. Uh, no, I like that choice. It's funny because every time I go on Instagram, say on Offspring, and I like something, I always see like like you've liked it as well. Not saying we, you're, we're mirroring each other, but it's funny because we're always liking the similar type of <laughs> shoes. I know they recently had, obviously, the, uh, the they brought back the, the Jordan 3s, the uh, yeah. reimagined whites. They're going to bring out, I think they're going to bring out the uh, Jordan 4s with the SB versions. Yeah, the green color. The stocks are very limited as far as I know. It's going to be very hard to get. You know, a sneaker app is great to fight off oh, but man the number of times you get reminded you didn't get selected <laughs> they will send you an email they send you a notification and they open up a week later still remind you you didn't get not selected great thank you <laughs> it's so it's such a weird app isn't it because like you say you could purchase it and then you get through it and they're like you've not bought you've not got it but you maybe take it take you take it my money or well, not take my money you maybe go through that whole process made me feel like i was gonna buy it and you've you've, you've taken all my dreams yeah yeah I, I think like nowadays i'm kind of like if i win that's great if i don't win it's okay but i remember there was there were times like if i don't win what does that mean no i need to get out there but i think now i'm easy on myself it's like if i don't get it it's okay because nike always re-release again in a couple of years time yeah <laughs> Yeah, you, you know exactly like the, the white cements are going to come back again. They're going to do probably another yeah. reimagined of the black cements. They're going to do yeah. <laughs> another lost and found Jordan 1s. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, that, that the market will never change, man. Like Jordans are always going to be the goat of basketball. And then when it comes to basketball shoes, Jordan is always going to be the one. Um, I think um, recently I went to, um, yeah, I, w- um, I went to, uh, Dublin, and uh, I went to a um, a gym. I was a sh- I was on a shoot for um, Shanette Kane uh, for Lululemon, and I remember walking out of the um, the gym, and there is a a big portrait, a poster in a frame of Michael Jordan. I don't remember if like if you don't remember, like Jordan does that. It was I think it was I like, used in either Gatorade back then in nineteen ninety five. It was in the post, and uh, yeah, I got a picture of that. I was like, oh my god, I haven't seen that picture for 30 years or 20 years 20 years yeah it's it, it just what you see those it kind of like make me rethink about the feeling when you were young you know like we always talk about we talk about passion we're talking about what you love and always trace back to your childhood yeah it's really interesting when you think about the jordans like it means so much to so many different people but like what do you think it means like culturally i know we're, we're kind of going off topic for running but like <laughs> i think like um you know um jordan it i think at the time it is to represent be who you are and uh chase your dream it will come true and it's sometimes it's okay to trust your gut because he was so close to go to adidas he was so close to adidas and even though nike i think offered a lot less he He's, I think his mom, or was it his mom or his agent to convince him saying go to Nike? Yeah. Is a there's, they're gonna build a brand and a Nike actually build a brand around him. Um, After the AJ two, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So, so I would say like the Jordan, the times I represent, you know, as we all growing up with while he was growing up, it's almost like if you believe what you believe and uh, give hundred percent. As long as your passion, you give you hundred percent, you can become successful. So it's like that type of inspiration. That was the era that I grew up to. Is like um, make sure that when you do things, give hundred percent, and 
uh, believe yourself you can do it be like mike yeah be like mike it's like a really interesting point because you, I don't know if this is, I might be completely wrong here, but say you've got like lifestyle shoes, you've got Bad Bunny, you've got Yeezys, you've got Billie Eilish doing stuff with Nike, you've got Travis Scott. Do you think that'll ever like translate into the running space that like you don't see like a Kipchoge special edition Nike shoe? I mean, like if you look at Vaporfly and uh, uh, Alphafly, kind of like it's Kipchoge shoe. If the shoe starting being designed is all around how he feels, how he likes. And then there, there was a special edition of Kenya Alpha Fly. So I, I think like it's, yeah, it's not named after him. But um, we know it's his shoe. <laughs> yeah, we know it's him too. You know, he's the one to always bring that out yeah. and try out, yeah. see what it's like. You know, it's, it's, I almost feel like it, by wearing that shoe, you know what Kipchoge's feet are like and what he likes. Um, yeah, it's, it's like, you know, like, um, what was the, uh, the, the Nike one, the, uh, with Penny, um, Penny Hardway, the Air Penny, the, it's the, uh, chrome color, very hard surface. Well, basically what I'm trying to say is like, they design shoe, but not necessarily designed, um, designed the whole line as it's, it's the brand, but it just named the shoe, if that makes sense. Um, um, Air Phone Posit. Airphone posit that, so they call like a penny. So that was Penny Hardaway shoe, and and then you have, um, yeah, it, 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 it's like not like design the shoe for the person. They make the line like LeBron's. It's not LeBron's line or Kobe's line, but if you think about Crazy Eight, what Adidas Crazy Eight is, is the shoe actually was designed for Kobe Bryant when he was just joining Lakers, and then that Crazy Eight shoe, the Crazy Foot concept. It was designed around him, but they never named that shoe as Kobe line. But the same as Vaporfly and the Alpha Fly. And if you look at that way, I think Vaporfly, Alpha Fly is Kipchoge line. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely is. Yeah, mate, I, I could talk to you about this all day, but I think <laughs> <laughs> the natural sort of gear to go into next is talking about running. So I'm going to throw it back to you. So, what does a runner's life mean to you? To me personally, runner's life is keep fit and um and to go out just to run around like when you were a kid to have fun and to forget about the stress of life um and also discover rediscover the environment um and uh, it's a space for yourself for your head to think about what has passed and all oh, sometimes just blank blank mind and don't even think about anything just one foot. It's it's um, the motion that doesn't require too much of energy from your brain, if that makes sense. It's one foot in front of another. You start doing that when you were young age. Um, it comes very naturally. But for the runner's life, to me, is yeah, it's, it's something that you know you run for fun, you run for the hobby, you run for to be fit. Um, but then when you go deeper, what runner's life mean? You know that can be translated into um, philosophy of life. You know, um, it's it's something that you you even though you've repeated doing that many times, but there's always a way you can find it to improve better, and that's why runners always run more because there's addiction of us in in all of us to try to improve ourselves. Um, so learn, runners' life is a progress life. Runners' life is um, a, a life that you dictate what it want to be not by the society or anyone else. 
I like that that sort of idea, but I'm just going to throw it back to you. So with the idea of like a progress life, that doesn't always mean going forward, does it, or getting better? Because no. we're not always going to get faster. No, no. It's okay to accept being slow, but just have to remember one thing. You were out there running, you know? Um, we, I think sometimes when it comes to many runners, they're overthinking of things. It's okay to run slow, you know? It's like your body, you're not going to be 100% healthy all the time. There are times where you're going to have bellyache. There are times you're going to have headache, you know? Um, and part of it is to learn to fail as well. It's life, you know? Um, it doesn't have to be successful all the time. Um, failure, we have to learn how to accept a failure. Yeah, Kipchoge doesn't win all the time. You know, like during lockdown, the London Marathon, he didn't come, he didn't look great. It was going loop all around. The weather condition was wet. And he what, came seventh, I think. It's not like he just gave up saying, okay, fine, I'm not going to run anymore. That's it, I'm done. You know, um, part of it, we all, we, we all know how to, to be successful, but we never learned how to accept a failure. And the way you run, you know, sometimes you feel, okay, I don't feel great today. Okay, that's okay. Tell yourself it's okay. So running life is about progress of learning, progress of acceptance, progress of life, basically. And uh, you, life doesn't go fast all the, all the time. There's not always fast lane. You get traffic jams, you get red lights, but learn to accept it instead of getting angry at yourself getting completely um, annoyed by yourself. Say it's like, you know, um, going to complete a marathon itself is it's already impressive, 42K. Not everyone runs that. You know, 1% populations have done running a marathon. And me personally, I have never run a marathon. It doesn't mean I'm not, I'm not a runner. Um, I'm still a runner, but I respect all the people who's done the 42K, regardless how fast they were doing. You know, it's harder to walk six hours to eight hours actually than running two hours so it, you know the people does ultra you know these are i respect all of the people runner runner it doesn't have to be a fast runner there's endurance runner so yeah just like life you know all, all aspect of runners and i respect all the runners i just want to go back to you and your running and you talked about failure and i just want to get your 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 thoughts on it because i think for me for example it's very black and white in terms of like what success is, what success isn't. And I think through running, that definitely challenged my way of how I viewed success and failure. There's a lot more gray areas. There's a lot more room to be forgiving yourself. But that took a while to get to. Even I mean, it's not even a process you just reach. It's something that's always ongoing, but it's something you, you're more aware of because you're not always going to win. So can you talk a little bit about your, I don't know, how you view failure, I guess, growing up and how it's been shaped by running potentially as well? Yeah, so um, when I was growing up, I was into short distance. I was into the sprinter, um, 400 meters, 1,500 meters, the maximum I could do when I was a kid. And anything beyond that, I would be like, you're mad. I'm not going to do that. Um, and when it comes to the fast speed, um, I always try to be as fast as possible. Um, and um, But you're not the fastest. Um, and... Um, when I when I was in school, I think uh, like in my class I was fast, and then when you go to the year and then you're not as fast, and then you start thinking, why do I lose? The question is, you all come to yourself. Okay, why do I lose? Okay, if I can't do this part, what other run I can do? Playing football, 
I'm not slow in playing football. When I have the ball, I'm actually really fast. The people who's really fast on the sprint line, they can't run faster when they have a ball in them. So, and then that kind of teaches you in a way like, okay, if you're not necessarily be the best in this type of environment, could it change the environment and make you be one of the best in that part? Um, so to me, success isn't um, just winning things. Success also learned to accept and modify, just rediscover yourself. And that's to me, again, it comes to running, you know, um, it's something everyone knows how to do it again, but there's so many ways to look at it. Um, and um, yeah, so that translates to life for me is you, you you kind of learned how to how to adapt to situation, how to rediscover yourself and really fit into the lane and to do the best that you could. And he's still loving it. I think, yeah, rediscovering yourself for you particularly, that is such a poignant thing that we're going to jump into. But I think to take a step back, I think can you talk about what happened during lockdown because you were quite into the gym and what happened there? Yeah. Um, so I'm always kind of like, but about power for Z, you know, like men's fitness will tell you, yeah, if you do 20, 100 burpees every single day, you get this for Z, you get a chest bigger, your back's bigger, your triceps bigger, and also you get a really good workout for your heart. So I'm always into hit class. Um, even when I was in university, I was into hit class. And also predominantly I play basketball. It's all about like stop, fast, stop, fast, explosive. And you'll be able to maintain that speed and heart rates in a certain way. Um, then lockdown, obviously, <laughs> all the gyms are shut. Um, and uh, I have to find a way to kind of maintain my um, my uh, f- um, fitness. And um, I started doing Shanti's um, workout, which is hit class of half an hour. And then I, um, I was like, okay, just go and run outside for a bit. And then, then gradually, gradually start running more and more. And as natural, you will look at it is okay, I need to increase my speed. Every single time I'm running, I'm trying to TB of my 10K, which now looking back is like definitely a newcomer, a new person to the distance run industries. Like you don't go out every single day and just try to PB. That doesn't work. It's it's not like um, a working in the weights room where progressively you can add a 5K, um, five kilo more, five kilo more. Yes, you can do more rep. Running isn't like that. There's so many different types of running. I mean, like you can ask my um, my colleague and friends, um, Aaron and Haffy. Um, I would ask them, like, what's a speed run? What What do you mean session? What's fallock? What What is it? Run just go outside and run the ten k. That's it. What What is a threshold? What What, what are these means? Um, so I I really learned about what running is, and uh, really learned about my ability. And I used to do quite a lot of running during the lockdown and I really built up to a decent speed and uh, endurance. I really enjoyed it. And again, that's rediscover. If I can't do this type of workout, what else can I do? And I really enjoyed the running during the lockdown. I, it helped me to rediscover my area as well. Um, I, I remember before lockdown, I would never thought of walking along the river for an hour or two not even like running, just walking along the river. But now, you know, it's somewhere I go for a run all the time. Um, so, yeah, that, that that's that's how I start getting into running, um, really. And, um, and 
before that I I run, but I know a lot of shoes. Again, that's come to back then. My my job all day was B2B account manager. So I look after like um, accounts and I sell them products, basically a sales role. And um, if you ask me three years ago what I'm doing now and back then what I stepped to what I'm doing now, back then I'd probably say no, absolutely no. You know, again, you know, Nike does a reimagine. It's almost like reimagine my life. And then now I have no regrets. You know, I lo- absolutely love what I'm doing. I absolutely love the whole environment and I love and passionate about talking about it. Um, yeah. And that, yeah, le- learning about running, it's all the stuff from properly, it's stuff from during lockdown. Yeah. No, it's, it's really great to hear. I think there's so much to dive into in regards to the change because I think something I want to dive into a bit later is like how a lot of people see you for what you are now, but they don't realize what you said, you were working in the B2B role before and a lot of those skills are still transferable anyways. So I think that's an important point to, to note. But I just really want to go back to, I was talking about what happened in, in, in lockdown. I think you had a situation that happened at the gym, which def- was definitely almost, wasn't the most pleasant situations, but it almost forced you actually to move into the lane where you are now. The rediscovery happened through uh, a tough moment. Yeah. So back to the point where I was building up really fit and then my speed, it was good. A track sessions I can easily do. And I can, I was looking at doing marathon this year, I think at the time, and I booked up all the half marathons and 10K, but everything get postponed. So um, I remember I did a six 10K and then, then the Sunday after I did a half marathon. Um, it was now looking back, it was a bit crazy. And in the middle of a week, I did a 16K just to want to see if I can I can do half marathon on the Sunday after, which was stupid because I now now I know why I felt so fatigued at a half marathon because I basically wait that that one percent increase of each week and that didn't happen. I was literally full out the whole week. So before that, um, also the when you know jab uh, start coming out and I was really eager to get it down. I want to get it down so I'll be able to socialize with people. I miss that part very much. Um, and I had a step down. Um, I, I also was um, antihistamine, quite a strong one, because I got quite a um, heavy hay fever. And um, I was all fine. I remember I had a chapter down when I was my mate. Um, I had a couple of drinks. I was fine. Next day, we went to Orange Theory doing the uh, 40 an hour hit workout. Um, the, the day after, I think I went to Track Mafia to do the session, do a track run. In the morning, I went to Orange Theory again. I was that fit. I would go to two sessions a day. That's I was able to do. And then, then two weeks later, when I need stop taking antihistamine, side effects from the jabs really hit me hard for three days. Uh, it was fine, you know. I I don't. I'm sort of person be a blase about these things. Like, yeah, it happened. It's okay, you know. Bit pain in my bones. I crack it. If it, it was fine. And then the final day and on Sunday, um, I had a fever. I'd like lights were so intense for my eyes. I was like, okay, cool. I take paracetamol and went to bed early. I think it was about 8 p.m. And I think around 10 p.m. I suddenly felt a heart palpitation. And I looked at my heart rate on my Apple Watch. It was all the way up to 120 from 60. And back then my resting heart rate is about 43. And then and I was literally panicked. I was like, what the hell is going on? And then, you know, we talk about like, sometimes don't listen to all the social medias, but at a moment I listened to social media, I was thinking, God damn, is it like, like, does that give me an enlarged heart? Like what is going on? Am I going to die? 
and I never had a panic um, or, or panic attack or anything close to that in my entire life. I might feel anxious before exams or interviews, but never had anything like that. That sensation is so different. And if someone had a panic attack beside me, I would tell them to breathe. But when I was in that moment, all I did was breathe in and I completely forgot to breathe out. And when I called the um, um, the 999 and when they, 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 they said, do you want me to stay on the phone? I said, no, it's okay. Just get the ambulance over. And I went downstairs and I think I waited for 40 minutes. And during that 40 minutes, all I could think of is like, oh my God, is this my last moment? This is terrible. Am I going to die? That makes more anxious, make me panic even more. So that breathing in more, I'm not letting air out at all. So that start feeling uh, tingling in my body, back of my head. And I just just feel like I'm going to pass out. And a paramedic just finally showed up, ambulance showed up. Um, I suddenly feel relief. 40 minutes, late, um, 40 minutes later, my heart rate back to normal. They took me to the hospital in the E and checked my blood, checked my ECG. Uh, the result came out is you you actually had a panic attack and you're actually okay. You're really fit. And I remember the doctor said to me was, you're textbook fit. You're like, you're perfect condition. I was like, okay, that's great. Went back home, next day working. And I think I got email unexpectedly. Suddenly that whole sensation happened again. So that email happened for like six, seven months. Um, I even went to the doctor telling them what happened. They insist something wrong with my mental health, but they didn't say specifically what it was. Now looking back and after talking to other people um, about these episodes, I realized uh, what I had was almost like post-trauma PTSD, um, post-trauma disorder type of, the, the I didn't recover fully from um, my traumatized moments. I didn't acknowledge it. So I worked on myself. I, I went to Reiki. I do a lot of meditations. Um, even even when, like, and revisit the moments when I had um, panic attack, I keep it revisited. And I think, like, even six months ago, if I talk about this, I probably would have feel really anxious. And then that really made me realize, actually, the more you visit it, the more you get a body used to it, I feel okay to talk about it. And um, it's not going to drive me more anxious or anything. So, um, yeah, um, yeah, that, that was, that was me. And then I had to stop running for a bit because I didn't know what was going on with my heart. I keep, I did have heart palpitation constantly, but I think it was caused by anxiousness. And, um, I was, I wasn't able to walk on the street. I was scared to hear loud noise. Anything changes. I feel weird. Um, like I used to go to toilet a lot. Um, because of the anxiousness, my heart rate was going up high. I remember when to Berlin, um, I was on the train by myself and it was just literally a railway made some noise. My heart rate went up again, 120 when I sit down, but I learned how to control it throughout the whole, I think a year, I learned how to control the anxiousness and, um, I know the feelings coming and what steps I need to take. Um, yeah, so that was my setback of my life at the time. Um, I sat back off running, sat back off fitness. Yeah, so that, that was part of it. Um, but I'm glad that happened. And that's how I lead to where I am now. First of all, thank you for sharing that. You know, I think a lot of people can relate to that. And but everyone's experiences are different. And when you talked about having a panic attack, I think what many people can relate to is that feeling of 
when you're breathing in, but you're not breathing out and you're sitting still, for example, and your heart rate is just going through the roof. You're still, but it feels like you're running like a 400 meter all out. And it does take a lot out of you, to be honest. And like you're saying, it's it does take a while to work within it because sometimes you might get triggered and it's just convincing your your body, you know, you are safe, you're not going to die, you know, start yeah. breathing. It's a tough one, isn't it? Yeah, it is a tough one. It's it's the, the heart listen to your head. The head also listens to your heart. So the head is sensing the heart rate going so high, yet your mind doesn't tell your head is, it's okay, it'll be fine. But the heart is telling your head, no, 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 it's not going to be okay. <laughs> so the conflict in your body and then trying to fight each other, that does take a lot of energy out of you. But um, but I I always believe that life is all about experience. Um, obviously not too bad experience, but like what I had is part of the experience that I need to learn and how to control it, um, how to overcome it. And um, just if any sort of early signs coming up, I know, okay, this is what it is. And then the more you do it, the more you practice, the more it happens that then you learn how to control it and tell yourself everything's going to be okay. And then that translates to a lot of things you do in life. Um, practice, practice, practice. Um, it helps. you know. But then again, it's, it's my personal experience, my personal uh, method. Everyone was different. I, I, don't, I don't think everyone should listen to me still consult with a doctor, GP. Yeah. Yeah, like you're saying, uh, that makes sense. I think everyone's experiences are uh, individual. But it's uh, you know interesting to hear that you found a way to go through it. And I won't, this is not a therapy session, so I won't like ask you to like list out <laughs> how you go through it. But I think I think what you're saying is helpful to many people out there who've probably gone through similar type of things. I guess one thing I was going to ask actually in that, in that topic actually was how did you go from there to then to where you are now? Like how did you make that switch? Yeah, um, so the... When I was going through that whole part time and um, my mate was telling me, he's like, oh, let's, let's go to Dubai. It's safe. You know, there's no anxiousness there. Taking a flight there is quiet. You know, we stay in the hotel and just relax by the beach. And I was like, yeah, sure, let's go. Um, before that, um, I, I, you know, I used to take CBD and I tried to numb, like, keep myself calm and stuff. And... Um, Will Gooch reached out to me on my personal account, a DM, and they say, hey, my name is Will. I work for Pure Sports. I'm reaching out just, you know, like to try the products. Um, and I was thinking, oh, God, another salesperson tried to sell me through thing. Instagram. He said, no, I'm not trying to sell you stuff. Like, just try it. See how you feel about it. And I was like, okay, cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm taking CBD already anyway. If you send it over to me, I'll try some, see how it feels. And um, and then, then we start talking about, um, so I had um, Vaporfly Worldwide account back then, and the Will is a big fan of that account. And he always running the Vaporfly Nike. If he, if, and, then, and also talking about Will, he's actually going to, um, to run across America, the first British person running across America from April to June. So yeah, watch him. He's going to do 50 miles per day across the whole time until he cross over states so follow his channel he's gonna do weekly you're trying to, Sorry. You're trying to do the record hey. you also do 50 miles a day yeah 50 miles a day and to finish to, the, um, to get the records basically yeah yeah and uh, he's going to have a team over there following him every week he's going to do youtube weekly update and about about what he's doing what's he going through so yeah sorry off topic but yeah i think it's worth mentioning about will gooch the uh the man is not really a man. 
is more than just a man type of guy. By the time I didn't know who he is, I just know he's a good-looking lad trying to sell me stuff from a company called Pure Sports with the trend of CBD products is great. Um, anyway, so we'll, we'll reached out because the Vaporfly worldwide accounts um, I have, and um, uh, he found out I, I was the one who used to run it. And uh, he's like, oh, big fan of that account. I love all the contents on it. When you featured me on the Vaporfly account, I was gassed. I was like, okay, yeah, sure. Just send me the products. Let me try it. And um, I was like, I'm going to Dubai. He's like, well, don't bring to Dubai. I was like, I know, don't worry. And I went to Dubai um, and uh, tried to chill out. And my, well, we went to, me and my mate always walked to the uh, Dubai morning shops. And we just went to Sony store. And I was like, oh, yeah, that camera. Maybe I should update my camera. And uh, my mate was like, hey, go for it. I was like, oof, I don't know what I'm going to use for. I mean, all I take photos are just like sneakers. And then when I travel, I take some photos, like, you know, what I'm going to do with it. He's like, but you never know what's going to happen. The only time you will know when you pick up the camera, then you know. So I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah, I'll just, I'll just, I'll just get it. You know what? <laughs> just, just do it. Pick up the camera. And um, the, the next day we went to a man-made island called Lebanon. And um, there was a group of person who were having, group of people were having a birthday party for a guy. And um, they were, some of them playing beach volleyball. I was, I said to them, I was like, hey, I just got this camera. Can I just take some photos of you playing beach volleyball? They were really nice. They were cabin crew from, to, from, uh, from Emirates and all different entity of uh, business. And I was like, yeah, uh, let me take some photos. They were happy with it. I took some nice photos and uh, went to the main guy, who's the birthday guy. I said to him, oh, what do you think of these photos? And uh, funny enough, he is a media producer, owns a media company in Dubai. And they always do things for marathon and they produce content for Dubai marathon um, or anywhere in UAE. He was like, oh, you could focus on this bit more. You, you, it's great photo. Like you got, you, you got good capture, but some things can be more sharp. I was like, oh, okay. All right. Thank you. You know, never thought about shooting running at the time either. Um, then I came back and we'll reach out again saying, hey, um, we, we do also have fitness club. Do you want to come? Uh, it's a vertical climbing. I was like, yeah, sure. Climbing is fine. It's, it doesn't require too much effort on the, I said, but, um, I, I might not be able to do the, uh, uh, climbing, but I've got a new camera. Do you think I can, uh, I just bring my camera to shoot. And he was like, yeah, do whatever you want. When I got up there, didn't realize it was BXR and also BXR is famous for those lightning flash and energetic like type of uh, classes. I just had my camera, didn't study how to use it. Um, it was all dark and uh, bright. All I knew was, okay, I'm just gonna, they already introduced me as a photographer, which I wasn't. I I just had my camera. I don't know how to set up my camera. So I was like, crap, fine. I'm just gonna pretend I know how to do it. Um, just take as many photos as I could and possible. And hopefully for the best, there's something good coming out. And um, I remember I went through a thousand photos. Within an hour, I took a thousand photos and I, I was managed to get 150 photos that I actually I'm happy with. And also at the time, I didn't even know how to use Lightroom. All I know how to do is exposure and it changed it brighter, darker, and that's it. Um, but yeah, Will was, everyone was happy with it. Will was happy with it. And then BXR, they were happy. They were happy with photos. So I was like, oh, okay. That's interesting. And I think a week later, Will reached out to me again saying, hey, we've got a run club in Battersea Park. I was like, oh, Battersea Park, that's close to me. 
So would you like to shoot for the run club? I went, yeah, sure. And I think that was the um, Christmas run club that they did on the uh, balloting track, the pure sport. Um, yeah, that was actually the first time I started shooting running. And I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed the people there. They're, everyone was so friendly, welcoming. And then that, I think that brings back what I, who I was, the community, talk to people, meeting new people. I'm always sort of person like to socialize with the people, talk to people. And um, I, I really enjoyed it. And then I asked where I was like, um, when is the next one and stuff? Um, so, yeah, so well in a pure sport, it really gave me a new lane of, finding passion and uh, gave me a space to do what I want. Well, I didn't know I wanted to do, but like I would love to do. Give me a space for things that I love to do and give me the space, the community that I um, I actually really enjoyed in. So, you know, the everyone has different association to running communities. And to me, the human and socializing and uh, meeting people is the main sort of, association for me to the run, running community it's amazing when you look back you start taking photos of just like trainers for vaporfly worldwide you know uploading stuff for that talking about the running culture not really focusing on the runners and just generally just taking photos generally then you get this opportunity they're like here's a photography like i'm not gonna tell them i'm not but i'm gonna do it anyways and then you mm-hmm. kind of keep moving forward but you talked about just the running community and i'm not sure if i'm right in this you tell me if I'm wrong but I'd imagine that there was a link between helping manage that anxiety that you felt in the, what we spoke about before and in taking the photographs can you talk a little yeah. bit about that yeah so the that was so 2021 December 2021 December and my um the panic attack was happened I think um June, June, 2021. So it was like only six months in. I was still quite new to the whole thing. I wasn't sure what it was. And um, um, the going to a run club, going to going out and get on the bus. I remember I would feel exhausted before going. I feel anxious and I have to do meditation, um, try to control the anxiety and the feelings um, and um, to be able to get out the door and just go there. But funny enough, like, after shooting, I feel great. Um, but at the time, I there's moments still would kick in when I was shooting. Um, I was just so I don't I didn't really stay and say hi to people. But what get me is everyone was smiling, everyone talked to each other. I just feel like I'm I'm okay. I'm happy just to watch them enjoy themselves. It means a lot at the time. Um, I didn't need to participate. The the energy I can feed off from every single person, the happiness, the joyful moments and I, I i was i really enjoyed those and i was able to capture those and when i get back i i was you know always rushed to come back as well just to want to see what i got and in those moments when i see people smiling and happy or even just working so hard that gritty type of images and i feel like yeah I capture the essence of that running um yeah so the more i do the more i know okay regardless i'm gonna do a 20 minutes meditations before i get out the door and then I'll be able to talk to more people. So everyone's also very friendly, come to say hi and stuff. Um, early days, I think like all the way even to March and April, I was still a bit anxious. I would have to just say hi. Um, don't really talk much. Um, so people just know me. I was there taking photos. They don't, not many people know exactly who I am at the time yet. And um, 
um, gradually, gradually start opening up more because I feel more comfortable. Uh, then I need to do less and less meditations. I can just get outdoors straight away and do things. Um, so that 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 really changed, and then I gradually I start running more. I start working more until I hit COVID, and then obviously you can't really do workout and stuff. But when it comes to that anxiety part, I think like the running community really helped me. You know, everyone, no one said to me your photos are terrible. Everyone was very encouraging. Everyone loved using the photos posted on social media, and that really helped me to encourage myself that. Maybe it's something that you can do in the future. Um, I don't know what it is yet, but it feels like you're really loving what's going on, and uh, you are sort of coming out of um, the anxious you. I feel like I'm coming coming out of shell again and become who I was back then. The difference, the environment's changed. It's not a nightclub. It's not in a bar. It's actually in somewhere I. Still love that people work out, i.e., like a gym or, or um, yeah. The the difference the gyms that people don't really talk to each other, but this in um in the running community, people talk and then realize actually you can socialize with people after running. So when now you're taking the photos, I'm hundred percent focus. Even now, I am still. And then there are times where I once the shoot finished, I realize I desperately need a toilet, and I'm extremely hungry. But once the camera in my hands. And I went looking things through my lens. I forget about everything else, and that really helped me to refocus and also forget about the anxious feeling. Um, and to capture those moments for me is so key to capture other people's happiness or grief, and those moments. And I forget what I was going through, and almost like that the the Jerry with a camera is a completely different Jerry without a camera.、Um, I feel like. I feel my life feels elevated in a way when I have the camera in my hand, and when looking things through lens, the way I look is very different. How my mind works is very different. It's almost like the lens was my only eye, and it is the also almost like the only way for myself to get to get myself out of the whole anxiousness,、um, the, the the environment, and the anxiousness. Jerry has been. Sort of completely gone when, when I have the lens in my hand, a camera in my hand.、Um, yeah, I think it's just like because I focus on what's going on at the moment so much that I forget what's going on with myself. Is that a good thing though? To be honest, because to completely to to take yourself out of it, because obviously, like you're saying, it's great to be in the moment and be in tune with yourself. But like you said, sometimes you forget to have that self care moment of say like. No, I've not eaten or not drank. Do you know what I mean? We're not saying you're doing this days on end, but do you know what I mean? You're when you're on a shoot, I can appreciate you. You you be working, but do、yeah. you have like time where you you obviously you're in the moment, but you still have time for yourself to reflect afterwards. Yeah.、Um, so it's it's again it's learning progress.、Uh, when I start shooting, that I was like, I will need to capture every single moment, otherwise I miss out.、Um, To now, I'm more experienced, so I know when I'm able to take a bit moments for myself. It's again, it's learning progress, and you just learn about yourself. Like, where is the limit? You know, like you can't go on a shoot for a marathon four hours without any water and uh, any uh, energy, which I actually did once at London Marathon. I the reason I didn't want to drink or take any food is because I don't want to use toilet, and if I use the toilet, I would lose my spot, and I've been waiting that spot since. 
8 a.m. I am not going to lose that spot. Um, but then you just learn from, okay, so next time if that happens, this is what I need to do. Maybe I need to ask for people to help me. I need support. Yeah, so it, it's 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 a learning progress. And I think the learning progress never ends. But I, w- I would strongly suggest that if you need to eat, eat, you need to go to toilet, go to toilet. Moments can be missed. Health is going to be harder to be fixed. So you always make sure you have enough sleep. You have to make sure it doesn't matter what you do. Just remember that you can, fuck, you know, like what Eminem would say, lose yourself. But at the same time, you know, you got to remember you're still a living being. Those moments be missed and the people will understand that if you're desperate in your toilet, it's okay. Yeah. No, it's great to hear that you've got to, you, you thought about it and you've got the processes, you know, in place to sort of manage it. And you're like you're saying, to be healthy, because that's the most important thing as well. You know, without health, none of us have got anything else really. Um, it doesn't matter how much money you've got, if you've even got your health. Yeah. And I just want to talk about the process of taking a photo. And can you talk, Can I know it's probably hard to explain what that flow state is like, for, but for people who are listening, can you explain what that's like being in the moment to take a photo? Because you're looking to take something which you've not seen yet, but you've got to capture. Because there's also there's always that delay between when the shutter goes and what you're seeing. Yeah. Um, so for me, they when I when I when I go into a um, let's say a marathon, I, I kind of have an idea what type of image I'm getting for a vain, really vain idea because anything could have changed. The weather could have changed. You will never know what the settings for your camera until you get to that day, that moment. They know, okay, yeah, this is could be the color. This could be what sort of um speed shutter speed exposure aperture all these boring stuff for a lot of people but that's where you capture those moments and then you know um i i, I truly have an idea of what i'm producing um until i would say 10 minutes in a race then i know oh okay this is what actually would work you know that, that's why when you know when the athletes elite athletes warming up in these areas and this is warming up for photographers as well. We're warming up when it comes to settings for the camera. Where am I going to stand? Um, what sort of speed I need to do? What lens I should be using? What sort of focus I should have? This has all happened during the elite running. But then again, like if someone's really experienced, hasn't been to marathon race for 20, 100 times, they probably know straight away, okay, yeah, this environment, I need to do these settings. I'm not there yet. So I would have to use these part of warming up as my warm up. Um, so my my shooting for marathon is starting from almost as like before you even get to the race course, I would capture people on the street. Um, you know, all these runners on the street, the environment, the vibe. For me, the essence of the race is very important. So I, I start warming up, like taking all these photos. I take in uh, elite warming up and then gradually I know, okay, what settings I have. And um, race, starting the race very fast. And you really don't have time to think. And all I do most of the time I do is literally put my hands up, put my lens out, make sure that I get kind of what I want and then continue to shot. And then just, you can can hear my camera just literally goes, and then that's it. It's, in a way it would be like, oh, that's not really taking photos, but you know, taking photos and then also there's editing, selecting parts of it as well. And um, by having that, you really don't miss moments. 
And also good for me is I like to make reels. Those continuous shots can make a good reel. And on the top of it, if you're particularly looking for someone, there's a chance that you actually got them at the beginning. If you continuously shot and stop, you will get them. And most of the time when people ask me, do you have a photo of me? I'll look at the beginning and at the end, and I actually do find most of the people that they're asking for, which is quite interesting. <laughs> um, so yeah, that, that my process head is like, okay, I need to do a warm up. I need to do some shots. I need to make sure that I capture the essence, get the right settings before the race starts. And the race starts, shoot, just continue to shoot because any moment is a good moment to do the race. There is no boring moment at all. Yeah, I can attest to that. I remember when we were at the Berlin Marathon in 2022 and I was at the start warming up and I heard, Marcus, Marcus. And I turned around <laughs> and I saw you and you and that was like my natural reaction to you. You captured it. But you took the photo without looking like you're taking the photo, like I, I, we're acknowledging each other and we're having that sort of back and forward. And I saw the photo back. I was like, that's really cool. You captured that moment in time where I'm like, Hey, you don't mean you've recognized someone that you know, and you're going, you don't mean you're having that sort of banter before. And I thought it was really cool. Yeah, I, I always try to capture the photo when they were noticed. I, I like candid shots um, because that's what's real. You know, everyone can do a pose, but the moment that, you know, um, there, that's where, because when you look at that image, it reminds you what you were thinking at that time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It resonates more. Instead of the photo, if you gave me a thumbs up, like, yeah, feeling is very different. When you see the photo, like, candid, <laughs> you didn't even know it was taken. That would bring you back that moment that you're like, probably in your head of thinking, do I need toilet or not? Do I really need toilet? Or I can get away without going to toilet. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, all the pre-race, all the pre-race feelings. Yeah, it's, yeah, it yeah. takes you back. Thank you for, like, giving some context to it. And, yeah, I think it's just... You know, you like you're saying, you've just got to put yourself in that situation to capture those moments, not overthink it. And I think as you've gone through it, it kind of, it, it obviously you've got process in place, but it, it, it gets it's more refined as time goes on. And um, yeah. it's really interesting to sort of hear that that process. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's part of the experience learning curve, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the things that I really admire about you is just you're you're really good with people. And that really shows. And I think that energy really works in the photos, which is why I think you've been so successful, which is why I'm so glad that I can speak with you on the podcast because I really want to speak to people that I'm interested in and inspired by. And I think you're doing great work. And I also think that you've got a position where you are now where you get to see different experiences, get to see where things are potentially going. And I want to get your thoughts on on that and a, and a general level as opposed to like a detailed level. So from the work that you're doing and, you know, you're looking at, say, two sides. So you've got running culture on one hand and you've got the running brands on the other hand. Do you think they are kind of moving together at the same direction or are they kind of moving apart? What do you think? Um, I think, so if you, if you, from the business point of view, right, um, a brand needs to sell to make money. And that's essential for the brand to be sustainable. <laughs> And um, they will be looking at, okay, what is trending at the moment? Is it worth for us to invest the money in to get the return? And, uh, you know, since the pandemic, the running has become more popular. There's races are everywhere are happening. Running clubs are popping up left, right, center. Uh, a brand to look at it and say, okay, here's our opportunity. 
there is more runners. Not many people had run before, even myself, like doing the distance runnings. Okay, there's a need in the market. People don't know what shoes to buy. Everyone was talking about carbon plate shoes. So the brand that has the opportunity where to realize, okay, yeah, there is market, not just for carbon plate shoes. There are easy running shoes with a cheaper price tag. Carbon plate shoes should be racing shoes, then we all know that. And um, you actually would need easy running recovery shoes more than the um, carbon plate shoes. So that is the big market. So for brands really to look at it is, how do I occupy the market before anyone else? And how do I engage with the market? Because there's so many people hadn't really understand what easy run is. What is a tempo run? What is what is um, a threshold sessions? What's the difference? So a brand that has a space to educate new people and tell them our brand is the best. And then that's why you start seeing more marketing budget getting into the running world. And I remember like three years ago, probably running is one of the least consider the things for most of the brands only for race shoes they care the most but now like there's emphasis on how important to educate people about running shoes where the best place to go to is running clubs because running clubs people socialize people talk to catch up their lives and um, also many people just start running they need to understand how to utilize the shoes and then what shoes should they get and um, so they I think overall the purpose is great because runners need the shoes, need the brand, brand need the runners. And then I think right now is probably the most sweet point where it really merged together well. And um, there are so many different run clubs. They have their own identities. They might be wanting to associate to different brands because they have the same ethos. So I, th- I think right now is moving in the right directions that running run club is all, always being volunteered um you know people come out of their own free time and a group of people meet up and run together but now if you there is some money behind it or even just free products to be tried on to give to the runners and what the runners would do is they understand they'd be educated they understand more about the truth and try to use it and they'll be able to spread out the words about the brands and i think you know, right now like you know not just um you're talking about running brands they are well-being brand, you know, like pure sports. Um, um, the uh, massage products like Mario Masters and, and uh, uh, the massage guns, all different. And then, then you come to nutrition, so, you know, you have Morton, you have SIS, you know, all these, a PhD even. So all these brands, you know, they, they're using that platform to be able to spread out more words about the brand and educate runners. What would it be good for them? Um, so I think, yeah, it, right now it's moving to the right direction. And it, I'm very happy to see many run clubs, run communities actually associated to brands, you know, and also brands start bringing their own run communities. And I like, um, before before this call, um, yesterday it was a Barcelona marathon and uh, Sammy Nix, one of my friends, um, she completed her first marathon within four hours. And I was talking to Amrit, um, who is the... Um, who's the Attracksmith, the UK community leader. And I was like, actually, Sammy doesn't have a coach for her marathon running. All she did was put her time in the running, go out to the run clubs, do the long runs, be a pacer for pure sport, be a pacer for Attracksmith. And she doesn't have really a tight agenda saying, 
this is the threshold you have to be, this is what we have to do. And then she just go there, put a tummy on the foot and run. And then obviously her, her body's able to take that four hours running. But it, it does show like, you know, if you just go to all the run clubs, you probably have a really good training program for you to run a marathon. Yeah. It's really interesting when you talk about that because I've kind of seen it from both sides really. When you're coming up and then once you're in that sort of space, whereas, and I'm going to play devil's advocate and I'm not quite sure where this question is going really because it feels like sometimes brands, no, sorry say again, sometimes run clubs, they start off with no brand support and then they get involved with the brand and things can change, sometimes positive, sometimes not so positive. And it's just like, sometimes where does that go? Because I, you always see like the, the popular crews getting, I don't want to say like, it's... and I'm not going to name any brands, like taken up by certain brands. And it's just really interesting. And it's like, is that what they intended? Or is that when they founded it? Or is that what we've been led to believe is the right thing to be successful? We need to align with X brand to push forward, whatever um, is the community. Yeah, like, so... The I don't know every single founders of I know of founders of the run clubs um, and the run communities, but I don't think I know all the intention behind it. The only thing for me I really care is does the runner who went to or goes to all these run clubs do they enjoy the experience? And I think that matter the most. You know if if the run club has original intention of it, but want to stay, survive in this environment, you know, um, and having a brand to be able to put money behind it and make some money out of it. There's nothing wrong with that. But the most important thing is, do they still care about the runners? That's what matters. Is Do they still put on the awesome training programs or still put up like mostly entertaining and also um interactive sort of run you know you have long runs you have different paces you have you make sure that runners actually really enjoy the experience of running and that's what mattered to me the most and you know for me going there to take photos and i I would capture these moments whether people is being generally happy or not and that's what really matters to me is really I I, i personally i have no problem of any run clubs taking money from brands but what matters to me is if I was a runner, if I go there, do I really enjoy this run experience? And that's what really matter to me as a runner and also a photographer. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. I think just to sort of clarify, I'm not trying to make it like a moral thing of like, if you work yeah, with yeah. a brand and that makes you like less than or whatever, I think everyone's got to survive. And I think we all know in the situation that, you know, the brands want to sell something, so it's in their interest to work with uh, crews that already have an established community, and they kind of want it's a it's a really delicate balance between not, you know, encroaching on it too much, but also making sure that you're still selling your kit, your shoes, your gear, whatever the stuff that you've seen. That have you seen it work? I'm sure you've seen it work in different ways. We know I'm not I'm asking you to name any brands or name or shame anything, but it's just really interesting to see like how that dynamic works between. An established group and the brands, you know, because the brands don't always have like the long term view for for that community. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like the brands always have its agenda and its its business one to one, and um, you know they 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 need to sell stuff. 
and um, run clubs need the brand to support to access a lot of different things. Even like if a brand is able to access to some marathons and a couple of runners really want to go to the marathons as a runner in that run club, they were like, yeah, we can send these runners to the marathon. You know, people will be happy. And I think like, um, there's, there's, it's really how far it takes. Yeah. It's, it's not really, it's, it's more, yeah, topic point. Like you said, there's nothing right or wrong It's again, it's come to like, is it good experience or bad experience? Um, and I've seen, I've seen good experience. I've seen change the experience. Um, I haven't seen any bad, bad experience, if that makes sense. Um, but yeah, like, but the, you know, the good thing is as a runner, you have so many choices, so many different run clubs these days. If, if the run club doesn't fit what your agenda is, you can go to another one. So like Monday to Sunday, every single day, pick your run club. <laughs> yes. Yeah, like you said, there's different safe spaces for different groups. Yeah. And I think that's important. I think the most important thing is the community and developing that community spirit. And once you lose that and you know that those bonds break and other things get involved, then it can get a little bit tricky. So it's a very tricky balance. I don't think, you know, there is a right or wrong way to do it. Yeah, it's, a, it's such a new environment at the moment. You know, it, it really is down to, it's for us, all of us to experience, to find out what is the best way to integrate both. We, we would never know. I mean, like as a runner, sneakerhead, you know, if I go to a run club, I would love for them to bring Nike, Puma, Adidas, Asics, Sockney, every single day, different brand comes in with a brand new pair of shoes that haven't been released on market. I would go to every single run club just to try the new shoes. But some people don't like it. Some people don't want to be trying different brands. You know, like it, it's individual, it's different. Again, like me being a sneakerhead, I love to try all the brands. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I just want to change gears really quickly. So based on what we've spoken about before, where do you think running is going in terms of just the stuff that you're seeing? Um, that's a good question because when um, when the lockdown sort of just over, I always ask myself, is like, the gym's going to open up. Are there going to be people going to go back to the gym? Less people going to run on the road. And it has been proven that running just become more and more popular. And um, what I see is, that more run clubs or community popping up as well. And I think like it's it's not gonna die down very soon. It's it's only gonna get bigger and bigger and bigger. And um it's encouraging. It's because I think it's very easy to run. You know, it, you don't need a gym setup, you know, when you just have five people as a I I think like five people run together, you can literally call yourself a run group already five people that's already more than two um so you know they it's you can say hey this is our strava route that's what we're going to do let's pull on that five of us go to run together oh you know what let's do it again next week i really enjoy this i think like it's going to be bigger bigger because we were changing as a society um when i let's say five five six years ago for me to meet friends to meet people meet friends it's all about going to the bars and the nightclubs to have fun. Maybe I'm, I was young as well. And then now it's 
I, I see more and more trend of people be like, hey, do you want to go for a run next Sunday? Let's catch up. What's going on? Let's catch up. What we be up to? And I think it was a habit that we had during lockdown. You know, every Sunday you meet up with a friend and say, hey, what you been up to during the whole week? And because remember, we, you're not allowed to do anything but running outside. But if you run together, no one know. It's okay. We're just going to run next to each other and then catch up. So we have the habit of, okay, we can catch up during a run. We get fitness out of it. We caught up with us and, um, and then we'll move on to our lives. Um, so I think the running world is going to get bigger and bigger. A social running world is going to be bigger and bigger. It's a new way of meeting people. Um, it's a new way to catch up with your friends. And it's a new way and a free to stay fit, really. I, I just see it as a win-win-win situation. And I don't think there's anything to lose. The only thing probably lose is if you don't like running in the rain and wind, yeah, that's probably <laughs> that's probably the only thing you can lose. But other than that, you know, it's um, you stay fit, you you stay healthy mentally, you you can even lash out things to someone if you had a really bad day, and also you know it could be a new way of dating. If if you go on blind date with someone for an hour, two hours, you know sometimes you do struggle to find a common ground or something common to talk about. But if you go to a run club, there's one thing you two both doing is breathing and running and encouraging each other. And you are already on the same journey and an experience together. What a best way to go on the first date. Yeah, absolutely. But I think the point you're making, though, as you understand, is that obviously we've had that period of time where people have not been able to meet and this is an opportunity for people to meet and socialize. And whether they hook up or they just make friendships from that, it's just still a good way to do it. I mean, one of the things that I looked at as well, you know, when you look at, say, something like the marathons and sometimes I think runners, we, we think the world is bigger than it actually is. You know, when you look at the numbers of people that actually do run marathons and stuff like that, it's quite small globally. I do think, like, sometimes, like, how do you keep that that going? How do you keep people interested in the sport? You know, you've got the you've got traditional run clubs, you've got running crews, you've got, you know, all those sort of factions in the middle. So all those organizations as well, all those groups that sort of float around in the middle. So it's just really interesting, like how, you know, we can sort of keep that going and keep the interest. And, and, you know, I don't have the answer. So it's always like interesting to listen to people like yourself. And there's, there's no, um, there's no answer to that. I mean, I think the way to spread the message out is to reach out um, more people who really not into running, uh, long distance running um you know like the the only way to do it is spread our messages via social medias and that's why it's quite important to have media and also organizers to make things fun you know like a night of 10k tv isn't just a um, a night for runners it's a night for spectators as well you know ben Pooch would bring fireworks shows so it's it's a fun event it was not if the people sound People say, I am not interested in running at all, but would you be interested in looking at fireworks and some shows? Yeah, absolutely, yes. So go and do that, you know? Like, you know, Chris Bonds from um, Podium, and he, you know, wants to do things differently. He, he, he wants to make running more entertaining. And that's how you start spreading messages out and bring people who would never be interested in running and be like, oh, this is a new space, you know? Like, why, why was I into basketball back then? just watching 10 men throwing a ball into basket. 
It's the theatrical part when the NBA Association is able to produce. You know, the fun that bringing all these celebrities come to sing for the NBA All Star that whole fun weekend. So, how do we make running more entertaining for spectators? And that's where you actually bring more people into running. And what happens is younger kids watch it, inspired, and say, "Oh, I want to go for a run." And you know what? When we were kids, we always run. We're always, that's why there's a phrase like "learn to walk before you run" because we always run when we were kids. It's a basic instinct. So, you know, run. When I was kids, I you know when I was doing the shoot with Ong, with um, um, Aaron, and also um, Andre, I, I told everyone we wanted to capture something fun and feel nothing, or let's just run like kids. I like to put our arms up and just throw our hands in the air and. And we really enjoyed it. We become kids and just run on on grass in um, uh, Hackney Marsh, and we're just giggling like kids, like "Yay!" It was great. I, you know, and never one moment in my head of thinking, "What is my heart rate like? What was the pace? Am I breathing properly?" All I can think of is, "Oh my God, that would bring back my childhood." I, I run for free. I run for fun. I should run for passion rather than. Are running because I have to, and、um, that brings to the point where, you know, if we can make running more entertaining, theatrical, you know, having more of these sort of running events where brand actually can be behind it,、um, because there's more budget can go into it, make it more theatrical, bring more celebrities, and make it running as not just for runners and also for spectators. I'm going to play devil's advocate to that, to be honest, because you know if you speak to a runner, a club runner, for example, they love like the ten k's. One because they really love running; they're really invested. Then the other stuff adds a little bit more to it. I would argue, does that translate into the person that doesn't, who's not into running? And you see this sometimes in athletics events. They say, you know, there's no turnout, so runners go, okay, how can we make it more exciting? Let's add music. Let's make it more exciting. Like. Add fireworks. Let's add all these distractions. And I'm just going back to what we spoke about before. Like even the NBA, if you look at basketball itself, like you can just, you can take it or leave it. But it's the characters. You know, we talk about Jordan. You know, or, there's so many people you could think of. Do you know what I mean? As basketball players, you, their, their personalities stuck like spoke to you. And I think sometimes in running, do we have that? It's almost as as if like the runners are almost. Removed. It's just the activity, and you don't know the runners. So, how do people get invested into the sport and actually care enough to want to do it, bar or the the sort of the smokes and mirrors type thing? That, that's that's actually a very good point. Like, yeah, you're right. It's the basketball players itself. They make themselves seen, being seen, like Dennis Rodman. You know, the dude is just making story about himself, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, Shaq O'Neal, he knows how to entertain the crowd. So, you know,、um, if it, actually, if you think about track events,、um, Jack Hope, he's quite good at entertaining the、um, crowd. And actually, if you look at the、uh, long jump, the people are actually very good at entertaining the. The crowd is like doing these, and I think it's like for distance is probably much harder to to do. But actually, if you look at all the marathon photos, there's great photos where the chair zone happens, and that's the connection between the chair zone and the runner. The runner, you know, do this, make the chair zone scream, and the chair zone is like high five the runners. And I think there's more content like that should happen, and then that makes 
people to see it as like, oh, actually running is fun. Um, but you're right about, so maybe, maybe all the agencies um, who are the sports agents, maybe you think about the ideas so of doing, talk to Netflix, making documentary about all these runners, or even just that making the Instagram of the documentary show of themselves, make them more brand deals because, you know, how I remember Jordan was become because of Gatorade, like Mike, just be like Mike, you know, all these songs are stuck in your head. Maybe there should be a production behind runners. Maybe that's what Cure for Runners is for. Maybe we'll kind of go to go to all these runners and start producing content and make it more theatrical and make a runner um, athletes themselves as a storyteller. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, and I'm not advocating that everyone should go out and be like outlandish, but like if you think of something, for example, like 100 meters, Usain Bolt, like everyone oh, loved yeah. Usain Bolt. Everyone loves Usain Bolt because it's just the way he was. And you don't always have that translating into running. And, you know, I'm part of the running communities as well, so I'm not trying to drop anything on the community and be like, you should be more entertaining. But, you know, sometimes you don't always get characters like that. You know, they're like once in a blue moon. Uh, you need, And also you need rivalry sometimes. You need, like, a couple of people to work together to, 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 to create that sort of thing. It almost feels like sometimes I look at running, it's almost like no one wants to say anything <laughs> at all. You just don't know them as a person, to be honest. Yeah. You, I mean, by the results and stuff, that's about it. Which is fair enough. I understand that. Yeah. I think the stage of right now is we want to bring more inspirational stories. And then that's where the stage is at for now. And then the later stage is how to package it. So now it's to try to inspire other people. Then we're turning into a stage where we're going to be more entertaining. So to bring more spectators coming. So right now the spectators are mostly our friends um, or other runners. They're connected. They're, they're invested. Do you know what I mean? You want to get new people in, you people who aren't interested in running, kids, young people, just anyone, really. That's the yeah. thing. And I think soon it will be, we might start seeing um, a distance runner athletes, even Kipchoge might start going on, going on the Nike advert and just be cool, you know, at one sentence, as Kipchoge is very good, <laughs> just literally one sentence. And, and then he can just say, just do it. <laughs> literally one clip, and to just bring a pair of new Vaporfly shoes or whatever nice you to make big, just do it. And with his smile, that's it. <laughs> and the people talk about it. Yeah, we joke, but that's seriously, that is sold, man. He's the power of, of Kipchoge for sure. Uh, mate, um, there's so much more that I would want to talk to you about, but I'm going to have to wrap this up quite soon. Um, we might have to admit, definitely make these a part two because I really want to sort of go into like where you're going next, but... I think one of the, the final things I want to ask you was, especially in the work that you're doing, and I've sp- and I've spoken to you about this before, like I'm inspired by the work that you're doing and so many others are. How do you stay relevant? Is that something you think about? And you know, how do you maintain that creativity and how do you sort of look at it in the long term? I appreciate I've asked you like three questions in one. There, so I, I think, see... Um, the most important thing to me, uh, well, I, I think how do you stay relevant and how do you update yourself is by looking at other, other people's work. You know, how do you become more creative and is by looking at other people's work. So again, some of people might see is very competitive market 
and be saying, oh yeah, well, I could have done this better, I could have done that better. Um, but I think like when it comes to running photography, we are all very welcoming. Um, every single photographers are, you know, you can have a 20 photographers at one run club, yet every single person will produce completely different photos. And that's the beauty of it. And how do you get inspired is by looking at other people's photos. They're like, oh yeah, that actually telling a better story. And maybe I can learn from that. I can bring that to next events I shoot. Um, and, and it, you know, it's not, it's not say, hey, this is my run club, but do not come to my run club. You can't come here and shoot. And when I went to Pure Sports, they, we already had a petty, um, Paddy was shooting for pure sports. And I remember Paddy was just telling me like, go there, this is going to be good. Maybe setting should be doing this. And, you know, I want to be the person. That's why I'm, I'm, some people will reach out to me and say, how did you produce that photo? And I will tell them straight away, say, this is what um, settings I did. This would help. You, you can be exactly the same camera, same settings, standing in the same spot. I can guarantee you two photographers have completely different photos. Because the edit will be different. The story, how you tell it is different. How you crop the photo will be different. Um, so again, so to back to your point, it's talking about how you stay relevant. It's by inspiring each other. Look at other people's work and uh, encourage and talk to each other. Talk to each other. I encourage people to reach out to me asking questions and hope they don't mind me reaching out to them and say, oh my God, that's amazing photos. How did you do that? You know, now we are coming to most of the moving pictures, real stuff. And when it comes to real, there's even more different dynamic voiceover. How do you cut that script? Um, the color grading, that makes a different um, real music you select. How you cut the pieces, fast, slow. How do you shoot it? And all, the, all of that, it makes complete different photos and different videos and different real. So they, it, it's, it's not necessarily a very, it's a, I wouldn't say it's a competitive market. It's it's a market where got plenty of space for every single person, if that makes sense. And then, then by looking at each other's work, you stay relevant and you stay um, um, inspired, and it become more creative. It's a tricky one because on one hand, if you say stay relevant, you're looking forward, but you're looking behind your back, and you can't always do that at the same time. So it's almost like trusting yourself, but obviously still being aware. And I'm sure that's not an easy thing to do when you've got so many people coming out with different skills and like you're saying um and there's something even like i was looking the other day i was having a conversation with someone the other day about ai and just like the ability to create images by saying something and like you could for example you could say like do a watering can in style of dali and like this this app does it and it's like that is mad and just yeah. the way that the world is working yeah i know and the like um ai just one thing that, that i think the point where all the photographer and the videographer are going to give up is when the AI start producing has human feelings in it. Now we'll be like, yep, okay, fine. Yep, that's done. <laughs> yeah, I'm out. <laughs> but uh, the, the AI stage is not there yet. Um, but um, I don't know when it'll become. But at the moment, you know, yeah, you're right. They're like, you, you look around all the time. You have to. That's to stay relevant. You know what's going on. Um, and by having new people come in, it's fresh blood come to the industry um, and uh, you, you all talk to the idea. Everyone bring different skill sets as well, you know? And personally, I I never learned how to use Lightroom, so I never know how to do shoots. I'm not photography. 
a degree person. I'm not a journalist. I've never studied any of that um, in the university. And, and I just learn things through my experience and by talking to other people. Um, so I would say, you know, it, it, yeah, it's a place where, you know, it's quite encouraging. Everyone's welcoming. And um, when we have jobs around, we're always sort of like, hey, are you going to be free? I'm not free. Are you able to do this? And yeah, it's not it's not as like we we I bet a lot of people outside are saying, oh, ooh, you know, he's there. She's there. Oh, my God, this is going to be a kind of market. But actually, we are all there for one reason, to capture the moment for the runners. Everyone produces different things. And then it's not competitive. It's almost like we'll push forward this market. And um, the runners have, let's say, cross-country, national cross-country, let's say, sorry, cross-country, all these photos. There's not many photographers there. If you have 20 photographers, one runner has 20 photographers giving them photos every single race they go to, they are going to build their social media profile so well and that they are more likely to be signed by certain brands because the brand is seeing the photos as the person would fit that brand image or get picked by certain agencies. So, and I think like by more people going to the running events to taking photos, it will actually help pushing the market forward even further and it really help runners to become what they want to become. I think it's a really important point there. I mean, we talked about actually showing the personalities of runners if you're giving advice to yourself when you started out um, in the photography world, what would you tell yourself? I think, I think it would be uh, a trust gut. That's it. That's all I would say. I don't think anything I would change. Awesome. I love that short answer to it. Is. There's so much more I wanted you want to dive into. I think this almost could be a part two conversation for sure. Joey, how can people who aren't following you follow you and, and see your work? Uh, yeah, they can just go on my Instagram, mainly that I publish on that. Um, it's Jerry underscore Sun on Instagram. So just follow me that. And also um, Aaron and I and I have, we have a brand called Curie for Runners. That's where we're talking about um, community running apparel as almost subculture about running what's cool in the running world at the moment and the stuff, events, apparel, design, stories. So yeah, Curie for Runners. And you're a Nike fan, Vaporfly Worldwide. If you're running carbon plate shoes, carbon plate run. That's all on Instagram. <laughs> Can we do a sneaker one, just like just general like lifestyle one? I yeah. think we need to do a Jordan one or something. We need to do a lifestyle one. I've, uh, I'd love to do one, but yeah, <laughs> I just haven't got around to do it. Yeah, yeah. I, I used to have a, well, I, I, I think it still exists. Um, it's called Exa yeah. Sneaker, your Instagram account. That was my old photos of when I was just in love with sneakers. And that's where I was to take photos of hence the cap hence the cap access yeah that makes sense that makes sense yeah. Jerry it's been a pleasure talking to you uh, we've got to do a, a second conversation sometime soon so uh, thank you for being a guest on the Runners Life podcast no worries thank you so much for your time thank you for listening to this episode of a Runners Life podcast if you've enjoyed this conversation please do subscribe to be notified of new episodes if something resonates with you please let me know and share online also you could do me a massive favor by leaving your review on the podcast platform which you selected as it helps the podcast grow your support helps make this podcast possible if you've got any questions please do get in touch with me on my instagram page at marcus underscore runs your time is valuable thank you again for sharing your time with me